right, good morning. I'm genuinely real surprised there's not just like 11 people in the room. When I walked out this morning, the weather, I'm like, God has left. He is no longer here. It's just my face hurt and everything up in my nose froze instantly. And those of you watching at home, good decision. Normally, I'll make fun of you, but uh, you made the right decision. All of you here, we're snowed in. We got to live here now. So this is now where we stay. We've got coffee and lasagnas and fruit cups. So we're going to survive on that. No. Uh, well, welcome, as Ashley said, welcome to uh, week two of the series uh, we kicked off in the new year called Even More in 24. Um, if you've not heard John's message last week, please go back and listen to it. It's a great, uh, great message. And it's so great to hear about just the way that God spoke to him, uh, this, this idea of more in 24, that uh, the way that God kind of worked through a bunch of different things to inspire uh, this for him and for our staff and for this whole entire year as a church looking forward and, and praying this prayer of more in 24. Uh, John, uh, talked. To, he read you, in fact, all this prayer, and, and you all got to get a copy, which you can get this week if you didn't get one. Uh, this prayer that he wrote, that, that was the inspiration for the series that we is going to be kind of our mantra for this coming year that uh, I wanted to read as we got going this morning. Uh, but this prayer that we are praying as a church for this year uh, is this, says, Lord, we pray that this year you would give us even more, more of you, more of your son, more of your spirit, more faith, more courage, more peace, more hope, more love, more fruit of the spirit. Give us more of your kingdom. Give us favor, more favor in our community. Give us more powerful witness. Give us more ground. God, give us more awakening, more revival, more resources to leverage as we share the gospel, more life change, more salvation, more baptism. Lord, give us more of you. We pray for even more in 2024. It's such an amazing prayer because we are not asking for more for us. We're asking for more of him, not more money or more promotions or more things. Although if God wants to bless us with that, that's great, but more of God. And the interesting thing, which we're going to talk a lot about today, the interesting thing about praying for more of God is we are essentially praying for something we might not be able to, we, we won't fully understand. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so when we pray for more of God, we're essentially saying, God, we pray for you to do more stuff that I might not get in the moment, but I trust you. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Over these next coming weeks, we're going to focus in on one element, one aspect of God that we are praying more for of, uh, what scripture says about it, and then how that applies to us today in 2024. Today, we are going to be talking about more of God's presence, more of the presence of God. And this is, in my opinion, maybe the greatest aspect of the God that we follow. Those of you who would consider yourself a follower of Jesus, one of the greatest aspects of being a follower of his, something that is just littered throughout scripture, is the promise, the truth, that God is with us 24-7. This is not something God does out of obligation or like, you know, feels like he should. He doesn't do it out of, you know, anger, begrudgingly. He doesn't do it to keep track and mark every little thing we did, we've done wrong. God wanting to be with us is, if you wanted to simplify all of existence, uh, like why are we here? All of scripture could be just narrowed down to God wanting to be with us. It is literally the reason for creation that this planet, this rock that we're on in space, everything around us and all the way down to like the nature of molecules in the atmosphere, all to support human life so that God could be with us. If you wanted to sum up all of scripture, 
as simply as possible. It would be the account of a loving father stopping at nothing to be with his children, including sacrificing his own son so that there would be no separation between us and him. And God's presence, again, just one of the most powerful aspects of what it looks like to follow him. God says multiple times, he makes it pretty clear, life will not be easy. Following him does not mean life will be easy. Life in general, there's going to be really hard moments and hard seasons, sometimes because we're a follower of God. But the thing he does promise time and time again is that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what we're going through, the God that we were just singing to, the God that we worship says he will be with us all the time. He will never leave us, never forsake us. He will rejoice with us when we rejoice, weep with us when we weep. He is with us on the mountain peaks, and he is with us in the valley of the shadow of death. That is the presence of God. That is what we are praying for more of. However, as incredible as that is, um, as incredible as that promise is, as much as we love like thinking and talking about the concept that God is always with us, I believe the way that God is with us is actually one of the least talked about elements of following God. Let me explain. Uh, for, real quick, first off, just a, a little caveat here. Uh, a lot of what we're going to be talking about are, uh, is, are, are things that we as finite, imperfect, physical, bound-by-time human beings will not be capable of understanding. It was a great beginning to a sermon, right? We talk about stuff, you're not going to get it, okay? And not, that's not because of me. That's just because we are trying to uh, seek and understand and process and interpret the God of the universe who is, you know, is spirit and exists in the spiritual realm, who is outside of time, who is not, like we are trying to understand things that we just quite literally don't have the ability or context to understand. That's not a reason not to seek it or learn about it, but I'm just saying there's going to be things for you like today where you're like, I don't get that. And that doesn't make sense. And yeah, so get the ibuprofen handy because we're, we're going to dive in. So here we go. Um, one of the things that becomes uh, clear about God throughout scripture is something that uh, modern scholars that we uh, throughout Christendom have come to entitle the Trinity. Many of you have heard the Trinity. You probably have certain things you associate with that. I'm going to ask you to put those aside just for a few moments this, moments this morning because we're going to talk about it. For those of you that don't know, the Trinity is uh, not in Scripture, uh, something that, that we came up with to describe the truth, the fact that God is three and one. If you're a math teacher, I'm so sorry. Three, three and one. Doesn't make sense. I get it. But according to the language of Scripture, God is one God but also made of three equal, separate, yet one parts. Yeah, it hurts your brain. I get it. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, uh, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is a really important passage in the Old Testament. This is what's known as the Shema prayer. This is something that God's people, the Jewish people, uh, for centuries, for thousands of years, up until today, pray at least once, sometimes multiple times a day, this prayer. Shema Israel, Adonai Yohenu, they pray this prayer. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. And yet, we also read passages like this. From the very first book of the Bible, Genesis 1, this is God speaking. He says, then God said, let us make human beings in our 
image. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. I really wish he didn't include that because I just don't like mice and rats and like, I don't know. Anyway, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Why does God speak to himself in the plural and yet also is addressed as God singular? Because God is both one and God is three separate parts. The Trinity, according to scripture and many more passages than these, uh, we understand to be God the Father, God the Son, which is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, God the Father, we're all pretty familiar with. We talk about God the Father all the time. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray heavenly Father. Jesus prayed to his Father and referenced him. We understand God is the one who spoke to Moses, who spoke to Elijah, the one who created everything simply by speaking, who parted the Red Sea, held the sun in place for an extra day, who provided bread and water in the desert, who is sovereign and omnipresent and himself life, light, and love. In fact, when he said his name, all he said was, I am, because he was and is and is to come. His name is I am. This is God the Father. We also understand Jesus, his son. Talk about the two biggest holidays in our nation revolve around Jesus. He is the most famous historical figure of all time. And we can read about his life in the four gospels, that he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cast out demons. You know, he also conquered sin and death for everyone so we can spend an eternity with God. That was another thing he did. But we talk about Jesus a lot. We understand him. He was born of a woman. He was fully human, lived 33 years on this planet, demonstrating and teaching about life in the kingdom. Jesus also declared himself to be God. When asked his name, the day, the hours before his crucifixion, he said, my name is I am. Because he was fully human and somehow fully God. Ibuprofen, get it ready. I'm going to need some later. When John, the disciple of Jesus, uh, wrote about his interpretation of Jesus' birth, this is not something we oftentimes read uh, uh, during the Christmas season, during the Christmas story. This is what John said in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that had been made. In him was life, and that life was the light for all mankind. Again, we're like, you English teachers are like, pick a tense, okay? Are you with or are you it? And it's, it's both. He was with God, and he was God. He was with God, but he, and he was with God with the creation, but he also was the one who spoke creation. It's both. It's both and. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, both one. But there is one more aspect of God himself. And that is God's Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, in, in my experience, is the least talked about member of the Trinity. The least talked about aspect of who God is. We know Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit. We oftentimes use his name in prayer. We reference him when praying, Spirit, uh, pray that you would come, pray that you would move. And yet, despite clear evidence in Scripture, despite the fact that we sometimes reference him, again, he is just oftentimes forgotten, sometimes ignored. Uh, as Jake Fry said this past week and made me laugh, the Holy Spirit is like the forgotten middle child of the Trinity. So if you're a middle child, you have something in common with, with the Trinity. Too often when we think of God, and in fact, when I talk to people, I, I hear them say this a lot, where it's like, I, you know, I know God, I know Jesus, and then we stop, and then we're like, what about the third? And there's a third one. What about that third one? Too often we think there's God who's like 
all-powerful, created everything, omnipresent, big, giant, huge. There's Jesus who loves us and he died for our sins and we can read about his life. And then there's a third member uh, of that camp and it's this. Yeah, you can laugh. It's a dumb looking bird. It wasn't meant to be like a moment. You can laugh at the bird. But I don't know if you've ever seen this. Like even on like old beautiful churches, stained glass, you know what I'm saying? There's like God and then there's Jesus and then it's like... And there's the, the bird. And you're like, why is there a bird flying around the picture? And it's like, that's the Trinity. That represents it. And you're like, really? That? It's like, there's bird. You know, it's like, I don't think we can reduce uh, the, the third element of who God is as a pigeon who just showered recently. He is so much more than that. Now, the reason we tend to think of the, the Holy Spirit in this context kind of comes from Scripture. I'll, I'll, we'll correct it real quick. But in Matthew 3.13, when Jesus was baptized, uh, it says, As Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Now, I, you know, we read that, so that's where we sort of get that, and we're like, oh, the Holy Spirit is like a beautiful bird, and you know, you, we feed him seeds, and then we cover him, and he falls asleep, because that's what bird, birds do. But this is just an example that many examples throughout Scripture, when someone is trying to interpret something in the heavens happening on earth, we just do the best that we can. There's really not a way to do it. And so in this example, he's like, I don't know. It was like a dove. It was, it was flying and it was light and white and bright and beautiful. And, you know, it was kind of like a dove that settled on Jesus. But it was not a dove. It was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is he himself also fully God. Just as much as God the Father, just as much as Jesus Christ. In fact, we can read about God's Holy Spirit in the first words of all of Scripture, in Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. He is no bird. He is fully God. Just like God the Father, just like God the Son, there's God the Holy Spirit. I know it's bizarre. I know it's tough to think about, like, how can they all be one God and yet they're separate and equal gods? So I thought I'd help us out. Uh, this is an image of what many scholars to believe to be the most accurate visual depiction of the Trinity of equal yet separate nature of God. So maybe this clears it up for you, um, this picture. So is that good? Are we all good? Let's close in prayer, okay? No, here's the thing about the Holy Spirit that we need to understand. And this is something that's unique to him, unlike God the Father and Jesus, is that the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of the promise of God to never leave us and never forsake us. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit that is God's presence that is with and in us forever. We know this for uh, two reasons. First, God, the Father God made it clear throughout, if you read certain passages in the First Testament, one of the things he spoke to Elijah, Elijah was like, I want to see you. I want to be with you. And God's like, nobody can see me and live. So God's not like withholding his presence out of spite. He's like, I would straight up kill you because I'm God and you're not. So, okay, so we can't, God can't be you know, with us in that sense because he would kill us. Jesus, we understand from Scripture, uh, was born of a woman, lived his ministry, and that he ascended back to the Father. 
So he's like, I, I, he can't be with us all the time because he was both fully God and fully human. Gosh, it hurts my head to think about. So like he left. So if God the Father isn't the one who's with us because he would kill us, Jesus isn't with us because he ascended back into heaven. The Holy Spirit is the one, which we'll read the fulfillment of in a minute. The Holy Spirit is the one who is with us 24-7. He is the one who speaks to us, the one who gives us unexplainable peace and joy and power. He is the one who whispers guidance and encouragement and strength. He is the one who transforms our minds and hearts from the inside out to shape our thoughts and hearts to be more like his. And yet, as I said, we don't talk about him a lot. We don't focus on him a lot. We might reference him. We might use him in a prayer. We might, you know, mention him in baptism, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But we don't often talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. And I have a theory as to why. My theory for the reason that the Holy Spirit is most often forgotten, sometimes maybe even ignored, is that from all the elements of God that we talk about within the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is the least like us. So we understand, you know, God the Father even says we were created in his image. So we're like, yeah, get that. You know, we understand that. Jesus was, you know, lived a human life. So we, that feels more relatable. Like he went through a lot of the stuff that we went through. But the Holy Spirit, I believe, is the most difficult for us to comprehend and understand. because, And so we focus on him the less because he, he is the least like us. In fact, the two words that are his name are completely unlike us. He is holy. We are not. He is pure and sinless and set apart. And that is so difficult for us to understand or associate with as finite, broken, sinful human beings. He is also spirit, which is also hard for us to understand or comprehend because we are physical. We are bound by time. We are bound by space. And he is not. Of the three aspects of God, the Holy Spirit, I believe is the most difficult to, to understand, the difficult to like relate to. And so I believe that's the reason we oftentimes like steer clear and, and don't reference or nor not out of like anger or spite, but we're just like, I don't get that. I don't understand that fully. That's beyond my understanding. But I get God kind of, I get Jesus. And then there's the dove. There's the bird on, on, over there. I get that. And yet it is God's Holy Spirit that is the source of his presence and his power, and his voice, and his influence in our everyday life. Uh, I want to pause real briefly, tiny little bunny trail here, um, but I just want to take a moment and uh, acknowledge the power and influence of the Holy Spirit uh, is something that I have seen. I have had many conversations with people who have experienced uh, the Holy Spirit being misused and sometimes even abused in the name of of Christianity, but oftentimes the result is uh, hurt and destruction for God's children. Uh, we're not going to get into like a lot of the specifics, uh, you know, of how the Holy Spirit moves, of some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're not going to get into that, but I just want to say to uh, those of you in the room, to any of you watching or listening online, if you have ever felt um, any kind of condemnation or pressure or fear-motivated um, influence by women or men claiming to be followers of Jesus in the name of the Holy Spirit with things like speaking in tongues or prophecy or healing or being slain in the spirit or any of that kind of stuff. If you have felt this like negative pressure, again, judgment, condemnation from people, for whatever it's worth, I'm so, so sorry. 
again, from conversations I've had, from stories I've heard, uh, from people I've talked to, I understand there have been women and men who have misrepresented the spirit in some of what, some of what I've heard have been just incredibly destructive. And for whatever it's worth, just hear me say that is not the heart of God. Why, yes, there, we'll talk about this. There are elements to the Holy Spirit that are very, you know, mysterious, difficult to understand, something that we have to just, you know, choose faith because we can't quite comprehend it. God is not a God of uh, pressure and judgment and fear-based motivation in order to seek him. That, that, that is not of him. And so if you've been uh, what I would maybe say a victim of that, again, please hear me say, I'm so, so sorry. That is not the heart of God. The heart of God is represented by the Holy Spirit is one of love and grace, and peace, and joy, and presence, and purpose, and all the things we read about God the Father, and Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all the same. The only reason we might have any sense of fear uh, with the Holy Spirit is, is just because of uncertainty. You know, the Holy Spirit moves in ways that sometimes we don't understand and can't understand. And that, you know, the unknown can bring about fear, but it should not be a fear rooted in, uh, you know, uh, judgment or pressure or, or anything like that. If I can uh, encourage you a little bit, I would love to say, uh, I would love to encourage you to open your hearts and minds to who he is based on his true nature, not maybe how he has been uh, incorrectly represented in the past. Because the reality, the truth of the Holy Spirit is just one of the most powerful, beautiful, wonderful every single moment of every single day, impactful elements of Jehovah God. The existence and influence of the Holy Spirit is talked about many times throughout scripture and always talked about, again, with the heart and the character of God that we know and understand. Listen to how Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. He says in John 14, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Love that word. Some translations use helper, but I love the word advocate. Like the Spirit of God is on your side. Another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. There's a moment, too, uh, before Jesus ascends that he gives his disciples, his followers, us, the Holy Spirit. John 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leader. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The ancient word, both in Hebrew and in Greek, for breath is the same word used for spirit. In Hebrew, it was ruach. In the Greek, it was pneuma. They are one and the same. And there's so much power and significance to this moment. Just as God himself he spoke all of creation into existence except for his children, which he molded from the dust of the ground with his own hands. And then he breathed the breath, the ruach, the spirit of life from himself 
into us. And in this moment, Jesus breathed on his, it wasn't like a, you know, accidental, it wasn't like a sneeze. And he was like, oh, there's the spirit. He breathed on them the, the pneuma, the ruach, the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, which is in us and which is with us. Then we read later, we get an a, a, a example of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Many of you might be familiar with this in Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, which was just a, a holiday, Jewish celebration. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like, again, this is just trying to interpret the spiritual and the human. I kind of wish he would have been like, what looked like doves on fire. That would have been dope, but he didn't say that. What looked like flames or tongues of fire. I don't know why tongues, but that's what it looked like. Tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I was thinking, I don't know why. I was thinking about this passage and, you know, we focus on like, well, that's amazing. The Holy Spirit showed up and, and we, call, we, we call it speaking in tongues, if you're able to speak in different tongues. But I kind of was thinking later on, it goes to say that the apostles and disciples went out and preached. And there was a moment where over 3,000 people came to know Jesus because of, of the disciples, uh, many of which because they were speaking in other languages. And for some reason, I had this thought of like, imagine being a foreigner uh, in Jerusalem uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but Israel was like on the main street of the ancient world where there was like Rome up here, Egypt down here, uh, and the Mesopotamia or, uh, over here. And there, was all, there was like the main street of all this travel. Uh, there were so many former, foreigners. And imagine being a foreigner walking through this strange land, and all of a sudden you hear these people shouting in your language, God loves you. Jesus died for your sins. You can come to know the one true God, like in your own language would be so trippy. And I'm like, well, no wonder 3,000 people did that because they were like, this is crazy. This must be an act of God. Anyway, now, uh, as John mentioned last week, and I just want to reiterate here, um, praying for more of God, praying for even more of God's presence is an amazing prayer, but we also have to understand the, uh, the significance of what that might mean for our lives. When we pray for more of God's presence, it is a prayer God, I think God loves, I think he responds to. Uh, however, that might mean some work for us. Uh, because when we pray for more of God's presence, oftentimes that means God is going to lead us to need to get rid of some things in order to make room for him. Things like sacrificing you know, money or hobbies or certain things, things like purging stuff from deep inside of ourselves we've been hiding for a long, long time that have been there for a long, long time, forgiving somebody from our past or present that we've been holding on to, seeking forgiveness for something we have done, confession and repentance in order to uh, ask for more of God's presence. Again, I think God loves that prayer. He's like, great, I will give you more of myself. But in order to do that, we're gonna need some purge some stuff, some cleanse some stuff that might not be easy on the front end, but it will always, always be worth it. Because when we ask for the Holy Spirit, the power and the influence when he comes is undeniable and not meant to be taken lightly. In Romans 8, Paul says, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you, because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. That's amazing. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, not just like a person dying and then being resurrected, but Jesus' death, which took on all sin for every human being that has, does, or will exist, that conquered darkness and death and sin forever. That power that raised Jesus is what lives in you, in us this morning in January, 2024, even though it's negative 12 outside. That same power, that is the power, that is the presence, that is the more that we are praying for. And the resume of the Holy Spirit, the things that happen because of his presence throughout scripture, things like speaking to people both internally and externally, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead. All of these things are what comes with inviting more of God's presence. Just as Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray that God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That means more of God's presence. That means more of God's power. That means more of life in the kingdom, which is a life of freedom and healing and peace and joy. Now, before we close, I, I want to uh, journey back and just emphasize one more thing and why I believe it's important, which is, our inability as human beings to fully comprehend the Holy Spirit. I know it's a goofy sermon to be like, we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit, but you won't get it all. I get that. But I wanna make this argument. I wanna make the argument that our inability to fully understand God and his Holy Spirit is precisely the reason he's a God worth following. I know I've said this before, but if we could understand everything about God, I don't think that would be a God worth surrendering our, our lives to. That's why people throughout history invented gods. Like we, they created gods because they're like, we want to be able to understand and like tweak things if we don't like it in the middle and give it a statue or a thing that we know we can go to that place to worship that God. Our God is so much bigger than that that we will never get it. But there's this interesting cycle that starts to happen. Where we start praying for more of God, the spirit shows up and things might happen that we don't fully understand, don't fully comprehend. And so we have to lean in and develop and strengthen our faith. And our faith leads us to more of him. And more of him means more of his presence and more of his power and more of his influence, which means less understanding and less certainty and more faith, which leads more back to him. You see the cycle. And again, this is a biblical concept that in our weakness, he is strong. And I joked about it, but the last shall be for it. The more that we surrender, the more that we are given. The less that we try to take control, the more God takes control and his will is done in our lives. And so as we seek more of God, understand that is not going to mean like more clarity and understanding of all the things that God does, particularly the Holy Spirit, because he is so far beyond us but it is the way that we were meant to live. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, I mean, the most famous passage about faith, says faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's 
sentence doesn't make sense. You can't be certain of something you don't see. That's not the way the world teaches us to live. The world's like, well, you know, get the evidence, read the fine print, make sure you have somebody check over this, make sure you understand it before you sign on the dotted line. And the Holy Spirit's like, man, I would just, I'd love for you to understand, but you cannot. We just don't have the context to understand it. This might be a very juvenile illustration, but I just think of it a lot. I'm a dog person because, uh, you know, cats are evil from the devil. And um, we do have a cat, and I kind of like the cat, but he does some not Christian things. Like, I try to pet him, and when I get halfway up, his butt goes way up in the air, and I'm like, that's not a Christian thing to do, bro. I don't <laughs> think you should be. And then he just stares at me and knocks stuff off the counter. I'm like, you jerk. What the? Anyway, so, yeah, but dogs, fool. God backwards. That's not an accident. Um, so dogs, we have a dog named Lucy. She's wonderful. She's part husky. So when it snows like this, she's like, let me outside. We had people call uh, like animal services because our dog was outside in the snow and animal services showed up and they were like, oh, you guys are home and taking care. I'm like, yeah, she's a husky. She won't come inside. We're like, Lucy, come on in. She's like, no, nah, I'm good. When the snow melts in the springtime, she finds the one little patch of like gross, dirty snow and curls up in that thing. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about Lucy. Love Lucy. But I, and this, again, this might be juvenile, but I just, I, I can't not think of God and me when I think of my dog. Because Lucy, and if you have a dog, understands certain things. Like there are commands and words that we've trained her to understand. She even understands things like, you know, love and affection and anger and discipline and even my tone. Like sometimes if it's joyful or sometimes if it's stern, like she understands what that, there are elements that she understands about like our relationship, but she is not even close to even having the capacity to understanding like love and relationship and sacrifice and because she's a dog. It's not her fault. She's just a dog. And no matter how much I would want to sit down with her and be like, hey, we're going to read the five love languages, okay? You tell me which one's your. Like, she just won't get it. That's not because she doesn't want to. That's not because I'm doing a poor job explaining it. It's just the, like the reality of how it is. And again, I know that's silly, but I just, I, that's how I think of us and God. Where it's, God's like, I would love to explain all these uh, uh, spiritual concepts to you. I just, but you can't. And again, to me, that is the, the greatest reason for God to be the God that is worth following. And because of that, my encouragement, the final thing I want to say this morning, and then we're going to close in one final song. I just want to say this. I want to say, I believe that tension, the tension between more of God means less understanding, means more faith. And the less that we know, the, the more that we sacrifice in our weakness, he is strong. That tension right there between like doubt and faith, between trust and desire, between more of God and less of us, that tension, I believe, is where God is most present. He is not most present when everything's ma everything makes sense and we're super comfortable and everything's happy. I believe it is in that tension that we most find God. And so our worship team is going to come out. We're going to close with a song about the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit, making ourselves more aware of the reality that he is already present. And my encouragement to you uh, during this song, as we leave this place this morning, uh, as you go about your day, those of you watching online, is to embrace uh, that tension. As we seek more of the Holy Spirit, ask him, I don't know if there's a particular area in your life or relationship or whatever where you're like, I really need God's presence here. 
But whatever that is, as you pray for that, just accept God's presence showing up might not mean you fully get it. You know, he's not going to hand you the rule book or the instruction manual or the map and go, here's everything I'm about to do. What he's going to do is say, here's the next step I want you to take and then trust me for the next one. But it will always, always be better. That more of him, more of his presence isn't going to make sense. But the more that we embrace that, just the more I believe we will experience more of him, more of his presence. And again, there's like the mystery of the Holy Spirit, the, the unknown and our inability to fully grasp that in and of itself to me, that's like the biggest reason to keep seeking him. Like deep down, we all want something bigger than ourselves and to have the God of the universe, his Holy Spirit with and in us. There's just no better way to live. Uh, so during this song, if you want to stand and, and worship as a response, do it. If you want to stay seated and just absorb some of these words and read them, do it. If you need to take a moment and pray to God's Holy Spirit, to acknowledge his presence, um, to praise him. If you need to uh, acknowledge his presence and then listen, like not say anything, maybe he wants to speak something to you, whatever that is, just for these next few moments, take that time because he's here, he's with and in you. And as we step forward from this place, our prayer is going to be for more and more and more of that. So let's sing the song together.